Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God, and we're going to talk about a number of different things. I sent out a quote from the Spirit of the Laws. Baron uh, Montesquieu said many years ago, A more certain way to attack religion is by favor, by the comforts of life, by the hope of wealth, not by what reminds one of it, but by what makes one forget it, not by what makes one indignant, but by what makes men lukewarm. When other passions act on our souls and those which religion inspires are silent in the matter of changing religion, state favors are stronger than penalties. And that is true. When you try to herd mankind together in a common uh, purpose of another man's ambitions, men will rebel, men will reject, men will fight against that. But if you entice them in with favors, gifts, gratuities, and benefits are the greatest destroyers of liberty. The, in the animal farm of the world, we are drawn into the pen by the free corn. And today, that corn is GMO. <laughs> so, anyway, GMO meaning the genetically modified organisms. The reality is that mankind is genetically modified spiritually and physically. We are being modified. Uh, genetically modified organisms, which we call GMOs, uh, are becoming pervasive. Corn is one of the... There's almost no corn products left in existence that are not genetically modified. And these modifications are actually poisoning mankind. They poison... We see it in the dairy industry where you're getting as much as 15 to 45% of the dairy herds are becoming infertile because they are eating GMO corn. In India, whole herds have died from eating in fields where there was GMO cotton grown. Uh, it, difficulties in digestion, uh, gastrointestinal uh, problems are on the increase in America, and it's probably directly related to GMO corn or soybeans that are pervasive in your diet and you're not being able to do anything about it. They're outlawed in other countries in Europe, but America has actually made it an, uh, against the law to tell people, to inform people that they are eating genetically modified organisms that can actually cause... I mean, what they're doing is they're modifying these so that they uh, develop natural resistance to uh, bugs, uh, natural resistance to herbicides, and they're chemically altering the product that you call corn, soybean, even cotton. Now they're doing wheat, uh, rapeseed, 
and uh, these are not adequately tested because there are millions, billions of dollars at stake. And the same people that work for Monsanto end up working for the government, supposedly policing what you are, you know, your health. But they don't really care. Why? Because they love the favor. They love their wages. They love the benefits. I know people who are working in jobs where they consider some of the things they do to be actually immoral, but they turn a blind eye to it because they don't want to lose their pension. They don't want to lose their benefits. And you know what happens after a short period of time? They don't think it's immoral anymore. They think it's okay. They think it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods. Because that's what we do. That's how we live. That's how we survive. And they, to the point where they think, well, if I send my kids to public school or I take government welfare, that's not coveting my neighbor's goods. They owe it to me. Who owes it to you? Because the government isn't paying you. They're just taking away from your neighbor. That is the essence. All socialism is based on the idea that coveting your neighbor's goods, your neighbor's sweat, your neighbor's toil, the toil of your neighbor's wife, is good and okay. To desire those benefits, those favors, is okay. Because we do it already. Because you do it already, your mind is turned upside down. And you become silent. Lukewarm. You know, there's a word. I didn't look this up before. Maybe I'll do it now as I'm sitting here. So you'll see me as slightly distracted as I try to peck away (laughs) at my keyboard. But what does the Bible say? about the lukewarm. There's a quote in Revelation. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. That is what he's telling you. And how do you become lukewarm? Favors of the state. Because the state does, offers no favors except what it takes from others. This is why Christ preached a kingdom. The kingdom of God is at hand. The government of God is at hand. Within your reach, seek it and seek its righteousness. That's the sum total of my ministry. Repent. Turn around from what you've been doing and start seeking the kingdom of God. Now, with two, three hundred shows recorded and going out over the air almost every day on one radio station or another, I have to make that same short line message of interest every time I speak on the radio. So I have to add some new aspect, some new quote, some new concept to this very thing. The reality is you you do not realize how subject you are. People think, oh, I'll throw off the government. I'll get rid of ID. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll become one of these ravens living in the cracks of society, hiding out, getting out of the system. And now I'm a free man. I'm a sovereign. 
uh, bullocks, as I heard an Englishman say the other day. That's not what's... You're, you're not free. You're a product of your environment. You're a product of what you do. You are changed by what you think and, what, and the way you act, by the people you pay attention to. You are changed. You are mentally altered, spiritually altered. My daughter was going to become a massage therapist at one time. She was interested in that. She had very compassionate. She actually had the healing touch uh, where she could touch somebody and actually feel their pain where the, the injury is. And when, if you feel that pain with the Spirit of Christ in you, you're a healer. You will actually heal that individual. Now, you can heal them with your own energy, but you will be drained. Because you don't, you're not an inexhaustible supply of energy. But that's that's how healing is taking place. It has to do with compassion. That you take on the burdens, the pain of someone else. Did you know that that every time Christ healed somebody, he felt their pain? Yeah, didn't know that. Why? Because he doesn't complain about it. He's not a whiner. I'm sorry, he didn't tell you. But he's feeling their pain when he does this. He's giving up his life that they may have life more abundant. And the way it works in the universe is that he is given life more abundant. Because he was willing to give it up. That's because the love of God was moving through him. That's an energy force. That's like white light. And it, it, it creates universes and it heals the sick. But you have to touch that other person with that love of Christ and not just your personal compassion. Because if you do it with just your personal compassion, you will be drained and you will pick up some of the residue that is in them that has made them sick. And it can make you sick. It can spiritually constipate you. So that you become altered by those you touch. By those you are compassionate for. You are altered. You become like them. Because you're not moving with the dominion of God. Through you. You're not moving with His love. That's how His dominion. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that they might be saved. You must give up your life with that same love. Because if you don't, the world will change you. It will mix the spirit of the world with your spirit. And you will like hot water and cold water mixing become lukewarm. Now, in a very metaphoric, symbolic way, I just explained to you some of the meaning and systems of the universe. Now, can you transpose that into everything? GMOs, as we talked about. They cannot genetically modify organisms for your betterment. 
for the improvement of mankind. They cannot do it. It is impossible. Why? Because the spirit from which they are moving is one of greed. And it will take away the life of those who consume that product. Now, you can become immune to that poison. And you can actually turn the effects of their genetic modification around and go the other way. But you can't do it of yourself. You must draw near the kingdom of God. And by drawing near the righteousness of God. And you do that by sacrifice. You cannot eat of the favor of the state because it's based in covetousness. Now, I didn't say you couldn't pay your taxes. I said, eat of the favor. What is greater sin? To pay your taxes to a government that's gone wild and and, uh, and oppresses the people and represses the stranger in his midst? Or to eat of their table? Over and over again, the warning is... If you sit and eat with kings, rulers, men who exercise authority one over the other, put a knife to your own throat, for if you be a man of appetite, he serves deceitful meats. And now they're GMO meats. (laughs) So, you need to turn around from that and go another way. You need to go the way of righteousness. So, if you cannot get the favor of the state, how do you get the favor of the church? Well, yeah, how do you get the benefit of the church? They were gathering together and rightly dividing the daily bread, the welfare, the ministration to the widows and orphans and needy of their society, in pure religion unspotted by the world, unaffected by the constitutional orders and systems of governments of the world. So, what's happened, and, and I'll, I'll do more about this in another program, but uh, I have a quote here. It was attributed to a number of different people, but I believe it was Dr. Michael Elner who said it is, just look at us. Everything is backwards. Everything is upside down. Doctors destroy health. Lawyers destroy justice, universities destroy knowledge, governments destroy freedom, major media destroys information, and religions destroy spirituality. And that's where we're at. And that's true. But now, what is religion? You know, and I've I've done articles and recordings on this. Religion is how you fulfill your duty to God and your fellow man. That is the definition of religion 200 years ago. That is the definition of religion 2,000 years ago. But there's another definition floating around. Religion is what you think about God and your, not even your fellow man, just about a superior being. What you think. Religion has become what you think, what you believe, what you imagine in your own mind. That's not religion. That's the religion of the Pharisees, who were not doers of the word. As a matter of fact, what they were doing was making the word of God to none effect. Because their religion, which was condemned by Christ, was all about what they think. They did say what you do, but what they did was mindless rituals. 
They were not performing their duty to God and their fellow man. They were doing mindless rituals that made them feel justified. They went to church on a special day. And they read from Scripture. And they studied Scripture. But they never came to the knowledge of truth. They actually denied the power of God to care for them. So, therefore, they had to go to the state for the favors. The free bread in circuses of Rome. The free bread of the temple of Herod. The benefits of Herod. They didn't want to get cast out of that temple. No more benefits. Their blind son was willing to profess Christ. Because he knew that he had been given sight. He now saw in more ways. You think that he only saw with his eyes now? No, now he saw with his spirit. Because he was receptive to Christ. And he professed. that He didn't even know who Christ was. didn't know what he looked like. But he knows that I didn't see and now I see. Do you see? Or are you the blind leading the blind? Ah, kind of, kind of spooky. We could be the blind leading the blind. Many would be deceived in the last days because of damnable heresies that creep into our eschatologies in our homes and led away. And we won't even know it. We won't even realize it. We are fooled by our own imaginations because we create Christ, an image of Christ, in our minds with what we are told. The image of Christ has been genetically modified in our minds. So we don't see Christ as he really is. Oh, we put labels on it, you know, Son of God, you know, and, and the Christ and, and all these things. But what does that mean? What does that really mean? What does the righteousness of God really look like? It certainly doesn't look like people coveting their neighbor's goods or sending men to their neighbor's house to force them to contribute to their welfare. But we have come to think that's okay. It's not. It's a sin. It's against Christ. It's anti-Christ. And therefore, anti-Jesus, anti-Yeshua, anti-Yah. Because it's not according to his character. You have to come together, not to be fed, but to feed others. Not to be given to, but to give to others. Because that is the nature of Christ. Sacrifice is another word for drawing near. God gives up his life that ye may have life. And you must give up your life so that others have life. In order for the life of God, the love of God, to live in you. You can begin to reverse this process you know, back in the early days of America, it said as long as you look to government to solve your problems, you will always suffer tyranny. If you look to the government of God to solve your problems, 
and seek to live by faith, hope, and charity, you know what you will suffer? You will suffer God's love. <laughs> that's right. That's the, that's the wages of repentance is God's love. The wages of sin is death. So the wages of righteousness is life. But you don't live in a righteous world. You live in a covetous world. And you've been made merchandise. And now it's time to turn around and go the other way. So we've had uh, some shows on goats and sheep. And we have a little bit of an article on that. We're going to go back to that subject. But the last shows that we had was on diverse lusts. And that's always kind of a come on. Diverse lust. You mentioned lust, and people start thinking it's kind of like why I have a picture of Lady Godiva on the front of the Free Church Report. You know, and everybody wants to know what it. What is that? He puts the picture of Lady Godiva on the Church Report. Well, you have to go see the book. Let's find out why I did that and read about the cover. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, some of you. Uh, will be a little disappointed when you see the picture. But probably for not for the reasons you think. So anyway, I'm baiting and switching you again. But the reality is that's a picture of Lady Godiva on the cover of the Free Church Report. And you can find that at hisholychurch.org. And you can read it there for free if you just go search for it a little bit. Because we, that's one of our policies here. The search and you shall find. Seeking you shall find. But anyway, in uh, this diverse lust topic, which you can read at Preparing You, we had, uh, we've covered a couple of the uh, sections, saved by grace and not by law, saved believers. What's a saved believer? Because people talk about, you know, saved believers. First Timothy 4.12, let no man desire thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. You see the word believers there. There's only two places the word believer even shows up in the whole Bible. It's amazing. The Bible is all about religion, supposedly, but the word religion only shows up five times in the whole Bible, four times in a bad sense. The Bible, talking about government, words representing government show up hundreds of times in the Bible. <laughs> Bible's about government. It is about religion, too, but you have to... Which religion? The definition where it's what you think about God? Or the definition where religion is how you provide and uh, manifest your duty to God and your fellow man? That's religion. In word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in impurity... That's examples of the believers in all those different aspects. So a believer, if he's really a believer, he's going to be demonstrating in his conversation, which is his conduct, and in charity, which is the word love, and in the spirit, and in faith, and in purity, which purity has to do with piousness, which has to do with duty. If he's not a believer, he will not manifest this character of Christ in all those things. 
So people want to know what value of works is. Works tells us whether you really believe or not. What you're doing tells us whether you really believe or not. And so we're going to look at that so you can find out, are you really a believer? That's important. And we'll do that when we return to Keys of the Kingdom after this brief break. So, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom, and we're talking about what our believer was. What were the believers doing? Now, you have to remember, these believers back then were cast out of the welfare system that was operated through temples like the Temple of Saturn, the Temple in Jerusalem that Herod built, Temple of Roma that Herod built. And all these temples, these were the places where you went for your welfare. Even Ephesus was an underwriter of welfare systems throughout the Roman Empire. And in order to be members, you had to have birth registration, which they had. And that was kept at the Bureau of Vital Statistics, which they called the Temple of Saturn. So all this was going on, and many of you who have listened before have heard these things before. But anybody listening knew this is completely foreign. They don't have those pieces of the puzzle because if you had those pieces of the puzzle of what the early believers were actually doing, you would know something about Christianity modern Christians are completely oblivious to. And they wanted to keep you oblivious to them, which is why they suppress a lot of the information that they're finding out by uncovering historical artifacts of those times, like the Dead Sea Scrolls. There was a huge effort to keep the Dead Sea Scrolls from major academia. Nowhere else were they doing this. But they did it with the Dead Sea Scrolls because it didn't take very long, and they were finding out, oh my gosh, they were doing something different than what we're thinking. They knew religion was taking care of the needy of their society. Why? Because if you take care of the needy of your society, the truly needy, in a righteous way, in a way that strengthens them, it strengthens you. Because you can only do that with the Spirit of Christ, who did not give to everybody who asked, but gave to everybody who asked humbly, who were willing to bow down and be servants, to wash feet, to care for one another because they were willing to lay down their lives so that they would have life more abundant. But they knew they had to do this because that was part of that and, and easily done if you care about others as much as you care about yourself. If you care about yourself more, it gets really hard to do that. Even if it's just 51% more, you will find yourself balking at sacrifice. And, and your family will reject you and, and everything because you, you're, you're sacrificing. And you can resist, resent that, resist it, resent it, resist that evil, resent that evil, or not. And, and move ahead at what the Spirit is laying on your heart at the moment and do that. That's repentance, because see, that's not the world. The world wants you to do what it wants you to do. It wants to control you. 
by its nature because it does not love you as much as it loves itself. It's another spirit. When what we call the devil, Satan, Lucifer, separated himself from the kingdom of heaven, and a third of all those who followed him broke away, they broke away without some of the characteristics of heaven, of God. They were missing some of those characteristics. They were incomplete. They were not pure white light. They were not the essence of God. They were something less. And we call that evil. Because something less will become... It's like part of the genetic code got into you. And when that happens... You're not going to be the same. You're, you're going to be something less than what you should be. You were made in the image of God, and now you've been remade in another image. And so, you are not compatible with God, because all the pieces don't fit together. And because of that, viruses can get into you and connect with you. Viruses don't reproduce themselves. They require you to reproduce them. And this is what evil doesn't reproduce itself. Evil requires you to reproduce it. So it wants to affect your genetically... That's what a virus does. It genetically modifies you. It uses some of your genetic connections for its purposes. This is how evil works. And it does this by the way in which you work upon the earth. The way you expend your life. The kind of fruit you bear. If you operate by covetousness, you will be changed. Spiritually. So, anyway, in this this article on diverse lust, we talk about this required outward evidence of belief is consistent with the teachings of Christ who says we are to be doers of the word and I have a footnote there with all kinds of quotes about being a doer and we've gone over that before they must bear fruits of repentance we have the quotes there in footnotes where he talks about you have to bear fruits of repentance James insists upon works and we have quotes where he does this Peter is talking about not coveting or you'll be made merchandise brought back in and entangled in the elements of the world. And uh, and we, we give you quotes on that. And you will even curse your children with, with that, thinking that it's owed to you because you really think about yourself more than others. You don't even think about your own children and grandchildren and you will keep pushing them into debt rather than turning around and seeking the kingdom of God. Even if you turn around, and seek the kingdom of God, which is operating a welfare system based on faith, hope, and charity, and the perfect law of liberty that provides you with the benefits, the the daily ministration for the needy through love, you won't turn around and do that. You're going to keep looking for the favor of the state, the benefits of the state, even though you know they are men who call themselves benefactors but are not. 
because they actually just exercise authority over others to take from others, including your children and your grandchildren to come, to pay for your welfare today because the system is in debt. See, it's not even the people now that they're forcing to pay that are going to pay for your welfare because it's not enough because they're in debt. There's one purse. As we know, the Bible tells us one purse runs their death. In other words, if the government is operating in the red, Social Security is in the red. They always try to tell you, well, Social Security has enough to cover everything. It doesn't because the Supreme Court has ruled over and over again it's one common fund. So even Paul talks about this in great detail. So people, a lot of times, they want to separate Paul from Christ and say that he is something else other than, you know, that he's got a different gospel other than Christ. And that's insane. Anybody who tells you that, they're insane. They're crazy. And they have been driven crazy because they have sought the favors of the state because they did not operate with the love of Christ. They loved the image of Christ in their minds, but it was a genetically modified image of Christ in their minds. Modified by these damnable heresies that have crept into Christianity and, and fooled foolish men and women into believing a lie. You know, and I, I mentioned this as and through covetous with feigned words they will make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. They're damned. They're back in the bondage again, entangled again in the world, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, cannot cease from that covetousness. They don't even want to think of it as good. They say, how am I coveting? I paid in. Now they have to pay me. Yeah, but you paid in and lost the money. It's all gone. You went the ways of the common purse that the Bible tells us runs towards death. You had an appetite for benefits and you didn't put a knife to your throat. You signed up. By beguiling unstable souls and hearts, they have exercised with covetous practices. Cursed children. Right there, New Testament. Cursed children. Doing that today. Cursing your children with debt. It isn't Congress's upping the debt ceiling that's the problem. It's the fact that you're a part of the problem. Because you still want your benefits even though they're broke. So anyway, we go on to what did, what did Paul say about this? Paul says in Acts 20.33, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. He's not requiring anybody to pay for him his way. In Romans 1.16, we see, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. But you have to have the fruits of that belief. You have to have the works of that belief if you really believe, and you would. I mean, it's not a big deal. To the Jew first, he says, and also to the Greek. Now, of course, he says to the Jew first and also to the Greek because it started with the Jews. And he's talking to the Romans about this dispute. Should we follow the Jews or should we follow the Greek ways? We should be following Christ. 
For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Not by force. Not by forcing the contributions of their neighbor, but by faith. This is the gospel he preached first. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. Manifest in them! For God hath showed it unto them that they should not covet. Thy neighbor's gold and silver, thy neighbor's Federal Reserve knows thy neighbor's whatever it is. Don't be demanding that your neighbor pay for your child's education. Don't be demanding that your neighbor pay for your health care. Don't be demanding that your children and grandchildren go into debt so that you can have welfare today. Even though you paid in. You see, when you paid in to the kingdom, it is a burnt offering. You give it up. You cast your bread upon the waters. These principles are repeated over and over again. Because they have a spiritual significance if you don't do it that way. You see, if you help people with your personal love and not the true love of God, you will weaken the poor. And they will weaken you. They will get into you. They will get under your skin. And they will alter you genetically, spiritually. That's why there's so much cancer, by the way. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power. Dunamis is the Greek word there, power. And Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You should realize that everything that is going wrong in society today is the result of people following not the ways of Christ, but the ways of Cain and Nimrod and Babylon. And though you go to your churches and you sing, you have not... I mean, the Pharisees went to their synagogues, but they did not know Christ because they did not know Moses. They did not know what Moses was doing. And yet you think you know what Moses was doing because you asked the Pharisees. Amazing. Dunamis, power. There's lots of words translated into power in the Bible. Dunamis is the one having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. That's the ability to sustain your society with faith, hope, and charity. I have had people in church tell me, Oh, well, we can't provide all the welfare for the people. It would bankrupt the church. So you have a form of godliness, but you deny the power that we could actually take care of the needy of our society without a gun, but by love only? If your society cannot take care of the needy of your society without using force, which John the Baptist preached against, then your society is not of Christ. It doesn't have the character or spirit of Christ. It has the spirit of Satan in it, and it will die. It will not have life more abundant. It will decay from inside out. 
And, you know, I, I once was in a house and they thought they might have termites. They never saw them, but they thought they might have termites. So I was going around checking. And it appeared that it was in the root cellar. And uh, the root cellar was an above-ground root cellar built many, many years ago. This house is over 100 years old. It's a brick house for the most part, but it had an addition on the back that included this root cellar that was wood. And between the brick and the wood structure, there was poorly flashed roof. And so water was leaking down there, and it was leaking down in their sawdust insulation. That's what they had for insulation when the house was built. When I opened it up, the two-by-fours only went down within about three to four feet of the floor because they were gone, completely gone. I knew we were going to have this problem because when I walked through a doorway, I touched one the wood there. It was a one-by-twelve jam between the two buildings, and I touched it, and it moved. It was like paper thin. I found six-by-six six beams that were just to the outside that were just paper thin. Everything on the inside of the beam was gone. It had been turned to dust. They had eaten everything but the knots. And, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that this whole building was leaning against the brick building, it would have collapsed. And it, But it was only in the root cellar part that this was. But they just ate all the two-by-fours away, and they were eating the sawdust because moisture was getting in there, and they were just eating it up. All that sawdust, you know, it was chips and stuff. And they were just eating it up. They didn't eat the bricks. The bricks are still there. <laughs> but they were rotten out from the inside. This is what's happening in your society. It it looks like wood on the outside, but it's only paper thin. Inside is full of corruption. And the, and we hear, you know, Christ talking about whited sepulchers and full of dead men's bones. and And that's what we have. The nation is run by zombies. Because we denied the power thereof. We don't think that we could actually love one another enough to take care of one another. And where does that start? It starts by gathering together, which is why we created this uh, network with on the web. Because it's a cheap way to connect with everybody. But we're also connecting off the web for people who aren't on the web. We're not wanting to say you can only be saved if you're on the web. But we need those congregations of record what we call core groups, congregations of recorded elders. The, the congregations, you can't even be a member because they're free assemblies. They're not corporations. They're not unincorporated associations. They're free assemblies. And they are that way because the offerings they give are freely given. Freely given and freely received back. We are finally, after preaching this for 30 years, really starting to make headway. Not nearly what we need, but we actually, you know, we're throwing the sand on the tracks and the train is actually moving. <laughs> There's actual movement. There's life. The bones on the desert, dry bones, are actually jiggling and coming together, forming sinuous networks and structure. But it has to be done according to the Spirit because we have to be remade back in the ways of Christ according to the breath of God. Those bones are breathed on and they're starting to see. Some of the people in our network see things that the world is just blind to. Intellectual, intelligent people 
You could explain this, and they will not get it because they will not receive the Spirit. They're full of knowledge, but they do are not coming to the understanding and power of the Spirit. But the power is starting to move in some men because that power of God, that Godhead, is a real thing. Now, the world's going to be pulling harder to get you, and, and they're already doing it. You have the mark of the beast. Almost everybody listening to this show has the mark of the beast already. You're not condemned to hell. That's not what the Bible says. And we'll do a whole show on that eventually. Maybe a series of shows. We have articles, detailed study of the mark of the beast on the website you can look up now. But they don't understand what that was. There's a mark of God that must be put in those who will receive it before the mark of the beast really takes hold. But it's taking hold as we speak on both, in both realms. And it, it's kind of like your uh, Tolkien's Two Towers, you know, where you got seven guys standing <laughs> against 7,000 orcs and goblins. You know, and but that's the way it works. God wins his wars with David's little guys who are not really the underdogs because they have a secret weapon, which is the love of God. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. This is where we are today. And as preceded by, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither was were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. They thought, oh, we believe in Jesus. And their foolish hearts were darkened. They couldn't see anymore. And they couldn't see anymore because they were willing to covet their neighbor's goods, violate the commandments. And they invented semi-logical reasons why it was okay. But it's not okay. Just like they think that genetically modifying corn and soybeans and cotton is okay. But it is actually destroying you physically. But that's only coming about because you're already being destroyed spiritually. Because you're not seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You're seeking the favor of the state who provides you with favor by taking from your neighbor and your neighbor's children and grandchildren, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made of corruptible men. That's what you have as an image of God taught to you in your churches. That is not the true image who changed the truth of God into a lie. And worshipped and served the creature that they created more than the creator who is blessed forever. For that cause God gave them up unto affections for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Women were not using themselves as they were naturally meant to be. They prostituted themselves. 
They do it in the imagery. They do it in in reality, and, and to the point where now you even have women laying with women, not just men laying with men. But they, he goes on to say, and likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust. Uh, one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. God gave them up unto vile affections. Why? Because they were worshiping the creation of their own hands including governments, instead of God. They didn't believe in the power that God could provide them with the welfare that they needed, the protection that they needed. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not And he says convenient. We can go into that another time as to what that means. But that's Paul. He's telling you what's going to happen. It's happening. It's already here. Now it is time to repent, to turn around. And when we return to Keys of the Kingdom next time, we'll tell you how to do some of that. Turning around. And what Paul says which is what Christ said, which is what Moses said, which is what Abraham said. Till then, may peace be with you and may God grow in your heart. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're talking again about the Kingdom of God, and we're talking about Turning the World Upside Down. And in the last show, we quoted Dr. Michael Elner, who said, Just look at us. Everything is backwards. Everything is upside down. Doctors destroy health. Lawyers destroy justice. Universities destroy knowledge. Governments destroy freedom. And major media destroys information. And religion destroys spirituality. And we were talking about how that is really true. But 
Jesus came to turn the world upside down again, which is actually right side up. In Psalms 146.9, we see the Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless and the widows. How does he do that? He does that through the love of his people who take care of the daily ministration in pure religion, unspotted by the world. But the way of the wicked lie turneth upside down. And that's why you see all of what you're going on is because you've been following the way of the wicked in this world. And if everybody who said they were Christians were really Christians, do you think the world would be in the state that it's in? If Christians knew that who Abraham really was in ancient times, they would discover that half of the religions, more than half of the religions, stem all, claim to stem all the way back to Abraham, but almost none of them are doing what Abraham was doing. How was Abraham the man of faith? What does it mean to live by faith? It certainly doesn't mean to live by force. Christianity is socialism without the gun. It's a socialism of love, where we take care of the needy in a way that strengthens the poor, in a a righteous way. In Acts 17.6, we see, And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Turn the world upside down, bottom rail on top. That's a line that was, there was a black slave who had escaped and, and gone north. And he ended up working for the northern army and he was working on a steamboat. And they were bringing Confederate prisoners on board after one of the major battles to transport them to one of their concentration camps where many of them died. And one of the men coming on board was an officer, and he was the former slave's owner. And their eyes met for a moment, and they recognized one another. And the former black slave said, bottom rail on top. That was it. Bottom rail on top. Things changed. But how do you get on top in the kingdom? He is to be highest amongst you. Jesus talks about there are some of you that are higher than others. But this is in a government that does not exercise authority one over the other. It's a government that operates by the perfect law of liberty. It's not like Cain's government. It's not like Nimrod's government. It's not like Sodom and Gomorrah. It's not like San Francisco and New York. It's not like Washington, D.C. or New York or uh, London or any of those governments. It's a government that operates by faith, hope, and charity. And so many people say, I'm a believer. But they don't believe in that kind of government. They believe in a government of force. They believe in, they really believe in Nimrod. They really believe in, in Saul's. Those who wanted Saul wanted Saul because they had rejected God. And God said what's going to happen is you're going to create a government now that's going to take and take and take and take. It's going to make its instruments of war. It's going to draft your sons and daughters for its purposes. And it's going to bring devastation. 
And when it comes, you're going to cry out to me and say, Oh, Lord, save us. But I will not hear you in that day. Because you did not hear me in this day. And you don't even hear this message in your churches. But you send them money. (laughs) They're rich. Billions of dollars. Catholic church, Mormon church, many churches. Rich. What's that? Preacher, I forgot his name, he's down in Texas. Um, he's on TV all the time. Kind of putting hand guy. Lives in a $10 million mansion. You know, Jesus was rich and he made himself poor. These guys are poor and they make themselves rich and you help them. What on earth are these guys? Why are your preachers millionaires? <laughs> And you are sold back into being entangled as human resources in the elements of the world. You're back in the bondage of Egypt, but it's worse with you than it was with them. In Egypt, you had to pay 20% income tax, one-fifth of everything you made and worked, had to go to the government. Moses took you out of that. He still had tithing, but the Levites couldn't kick in your door to get the tithing. They said it was mandatory, but not mandatory. You were supposed to do it, but you didn't have to do it. If you didn't do it, though, this the society would fall apart. You had to sacrifice so that the love would grow. Not so that the Levites didn't arrest you and throw you into jail. They didn't have that power. They didn't exercise authority. You were kings in your own house. There were no kings. They ran a whole government through faith, open charity. Free will offerings, free will offerings, free will offerings. It wasn't until you had a king like Saul that he forced an offering. And you see that right in the text. But you don't even know. You, you don't see. Because you've been given over to a reprobate mind. You think there's something wrong with government charging you taxes. They should charge you with taxes. They should whip the daylights out of you, you rejecter of God and His ways of righteousness, of love. You've gone down the wrong road, and I'm here to tell you and rebuke you. Because as many as I love, I also rebuke. Because I'm not telling you to pick on you. I'm telling you to wake you up. You've turned the world back upside down again. And you're now the bottom rail. And you want to rebel. You're the bottom rail because you rebelled. (laughs) You rebelled against God. I'm telling you to repent and conform to God. Turn around, gather together, start taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. You have to actually do that like a kingdom, like a government. You have to organize yourselves. Don't come to us and say, have you got it all organized? Have you got it all done? Have you got everybody doing it? Uh, by the way, I need, I need some money. And you just joined? Where, where how does that work? <laughs> no, it would work if we thought you were really repenting and coming back. But, you know, there were a lot of hungry people at the Sermon on the Mount. You know, that day where they fed the thousands. They were all hungry. And how did they come up with all that food? 
It was a miracle. You don't even know what that miracle consisted of. How did that happen? Why aren't you having that miracle? You don't even wait for that miracle. You go to the men who call themselves benefactor and say, I need some bread. I need an EBT card. I need welfare. I need social security. I need free education for my children. I need health care. And now some of you are saying, oh, we don't need that. We don't need that. We don't need that. You will need that. I'm not afraid to be on my own. You will be afraid to be on your own. Because times are good now. Don't be foolish virgins. Start coming together. Trimming your wicks. Yeah. A lot of wick trimming is going to need to go on. I sent a message off last night to uh, the ministers on the minister group. Where all the ministers convene and talk about some of these things. And, and we're working on a number of projects right now. But I said everybody's going to have to learn how to spell austerity. <laughs> it's a kind of a tricky word to spell. Christ gave everything away. required his pastors, his ministers, his disciples to give everything away. And walk with no estate. Just like Moses said. The Levites had no estate. They owned all things in common. The people owned their own land. When they say in the New Testament they owned all things in common, they're talking about the ministers. They're not talking about the Christians creating some sort of communist government. We're supposed to return every man to his possessions and to his family. Why? So he can choose to be charitable and love one another. But in order to show that love, he has to truly give up. He has to really sacrifice and that's not a problem. People say, oh, well, you don't have to do anything be saved. You just have to believe in Jesus. If you believed in Jesus, you wouldn't even bring that up. You would jump at the chance to sacrifice. You wouldn't be saying, oh, no, we don't have to do nothing. Oh, my gosh, doing the word of God. We don't have to do that. We're not saved by words. We're saved because we think a thought. You don't really believe in Jesus if you're not willing to do that. That's the point. You're not a believer. And that's why we're talking about this on the on the preparingyou.com in the article Diverse Loves. This is why we're talking about that. What Paul says. That's where we were last time. Paul says in Romans 7, 7, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. So everybody who thought diverse lust was, has to do with sexuality? No, it has to do with coveting. And people are screwing their neighbors, if I may use a crass term like that, by coveting their neighbor's goods. That's adultery to covet your neighbor's goods. That's vile to do that. That's wicked. You think it's okay because you've been given over to a reprobate mind because you have not really known the Lord, but you've known of Him. That's what Paul's talking about. But the people he's writing and the people he's talking to are believers. People who have repented 
and gone another way. Romans 13, 9. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Do you send men to your neighbor's house? Do you threaten to take your neighbor's house away if he doesn't pay for your child's education? You bet you do. If you send your kids to public school, or if you just ask for benefits so that they send you book work and you home teach your kids, but you're using their books because they bought their books with your neighbor's money. And they're going to do it whether or not you take it. Yeah, so what? Stop taking it. Because you are being changed by your choices. You are being altered spiritually and will be altered genetically by your choices. Forgive the fact that you have given them money and they've squandered it on drug addicts and what have you and bureaucrats. Forgive them that. Now repent and start doing it the way Christ said to do it, the way the early church did, through faith, hope, and charity, through congregations or what we call free assemblies, where people start actually taking care of themselves. Now, the quicker you start doing this, the easier the transition will be. You know, in childbirth, it's nice to take a little time to give birth to a child. I mean, you're squeezing that baby through a small opening. If it comes too fast, the mother will be hurt and injured. Don't put it off to the last minute. Let's let's start dilating our way into the kingdom by starting to take care of one another. If I may use these metaphors. In 1 Corinthians 5, we see, yet no, not together with the fornicators of the world. Fornicators of the world. What does that mean? Fornicators of the world. What world is he talking about there? Remember, there's five different Greek words translated into world. And which one he's using will make a difference about what he means. And let's see here. I'll look that up. Let's find out what that is. I'm pretty sure I know. I just have to refresh my memory. Yep, it's the word. Fornicators of the world. Fornicators of the constitutional order and systems of government, because that's the word he uses. It's not the fornicators of the age. It's not the fornicators of inhabited places. It's the fornicators of constitutional order systems of government. He says, yet not altogether with the fornicators of the world. Anyway, uh, fornicators of the world with covetous or extortioners, or idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. Go out of the world to do what? Go out of the world? Are you to leave the planet? Are we supposed to fly off into space somewhere? Is that what he's talking about? No. He's talking about what you guys are doing and what they were doing. I wrote unto you in an epistle 
not to company with fornicators. Hang out with other people who are coveting, extortioning, going to idolatry. What is he talking about? Going to the temple of Saturn for your benefits. The favors of the state. That's what we sent out the other night. And uh, we sent that out to notify people of the programs today because we were going to be talking about that. And I, I read it in the last program, but I'll read it in this one too if I find out what I did with it. <laughs> I've sent off so many messages today. We're editing books and we're uh, discussing uh, how to operate businesses uh, through the kingdom and... Uh, I mean, we're working on, and then we're connecting people that joining from different parts of the country with the network, the Living Network. You can go to thelivingnetwork.org, and it'll take you to a page where you can sign up. And then you can get to know people in your area, because you have to get to know the people on the ground where you live. That's, that's so important that you do that. Anyway, the quote was from uh, Baron um, Montesquieu. And it was from the book, The Spirit of the Laws. And it says, A more certain way to attack religion is by favor, by the comforts of life, by the hope of wealth, not by what reminds one of it. And he's referring to religion in one sense. But by what makes one forget it. Not by what makes one indignant, but by what makes men lukewarm which will be spewed forth from the mouth, according to Revelations. When other passions act on our souls, those which religion inspires are silent. In the matter of changing religion, state favors are stronger than penalties. And that's back to the greatest destroyers of liberty or the givers of gifts, gratuities, and benefits. And why is the church interested in liberty? Because... Liberty is of God. All liberty is of God. There is no liberty but of God. And anyone who opposes liberty opposes God. And the Bible says that. But you don't know where it says that unless you've read the book, The Higher Liberty. <laughs> so you'll have to do that. We just had somebody from England order the book. Uh, and it's going out probably today. So uh, uh, we need a network starting up in England. Because uh, according to my English son-in-law, they're all dead over there. They... They're just not awake. They're, they're the walking zombies of the world. But they aren't all dead. There are living souls everywhere. And we're in the business of raising the dead. And we're raising the dead because we're getting the dead to turn away from that which killeth and turn towards that which giveth life. And we know that is by love because love worketh no ill to his neighbor. doesn't covet his neighbor's goods. He provides for his neighbor through faith, open charity, and that perfect law of liberty which Paul is talking about, which these mindless Paul thumpers read and don't even get. You know, Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 5.10, Yet not altogether with the fornicators of the world or with the covetous extortioners, extortioners, those who force, with idolaters, those who believe in the creation, that their government will save them not their God. And their government is fashioned, and if you read Rome versus us, or some of our other articles, you'll see that it's fashioned after Rome. It's fashioned after Babylon. 
It's not fashioned after the ways of what Christ was doing. That's why, because the churches aren't doing what Christ said to do. But now I have written unto you, not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother, called a brother, be a fornicator, a covetous. In other words, desiring those benefits that are provided by men who exercise authority one over the other. Or an idolater, or a railer, it says, or a drunkard, or extortioner. In other words, want to force you to contribute to their welfare. With such in one, no, not to eat. You shouldn't be eating with them. You shouldn't be applying for their benefits. But you're going to need help. Because that happens. And in the future, everybody's going to need help. So, you have to gather together in free assemblies and start living righteously. Taking care of your health care, your social welfare, your education, health education and welfare through a system based on charity. This is what Christ preached. This is what John the Baptist preached. This is what Moses set up. This is what Abraham was doing with his altars of clay and stone. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Without what? Out there doing the other. Do not ye judge them that are within. But them that are without... God judges. Therefore, put away from amongst yourself the wicked person, the people that are still seeking those benefits. We had congregations for them, and they are still seeking those benefits. They don't need them right now, but they would they would use them if they could. And when they need them, they will call on them. And we know this because when people came up with a need amongst them, They saw not their need. So how will God see your need if you will not see the need of your brother? The brethren of Christ are those who do the will of the Father, not those who say they believe. A believer is someone who is actually seeking to do the will of the Father in righteousness and not doing those things like coveting or forcing their neighbor to contribute to their child's education or any of these things that are so common today. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom? It didn't say the the unbeliever. It said the unrighteous. You know, many will be counted as believers, even though they don't think they believe in their head, but, but but based on that they were acting righteously for the brethren who were actually seeking to do the will of the Father. We need people that are in the system that want to turn around and go the other way. We don't need people who want to come out of the system as much as we need that. We want people who want to get the system out of their own hearts. This is what Christ was looking for. For his his disciples were ministers. They were going to be coming out. They were not going to be of the world. They were going to be separate. But what are their disciples doing? They're serving those people in the unrighteous mammon, And helping them learn to serve one another, because there's a learning curve on this. They're helping them to learn to serve one another, so that when the unrighteous mammon faileth, they will have a system already in place that can make up the difference. But that's a walk. It's a way. It's a conversation. It's a rule of conduct. So if you're one of those people who want to turn around and start seeking the kingdom, start Building that house on the rock of Christ, which is faith. That's the rock. 
But if you just want to sit back and believe and keep eating at the table of kings, if you want to keep dancing like foolish virgins, thinking that, oh, we're virgins, we don't eat of that. We just go do our own thing, you know, but we're not going to actually come together and love one another. We're just going to love the fact that we're free sovereigns dancing out here as virgins. Foolish. Foolish. You're not going to be let in either. And what is that letting in? There's a spiritual power here that we will ultimately have to completely depend upon. That will keep us afloat on the seas, the the raging seas. But you can't even imagine what that's like now. And don't worry about that now. Worry about today. What are you going to do today to turn around and go the other way? Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators nor idolaters. Remember those fornicators he's talking about are the covetous. You know, back in the other quote. And yeah, and adulterers and effeminates and abusers of themselves with mankind. They're not going to inherit. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, no extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Period. He's talking about what you're doing. They can think they believe all they want. We'll be right back and we'll tell you more about what Paul says instead of what people think Paul said. So... We're talking about the kingdom, and we're talking about the unrighteous not inheriting the kingdom of God. Even if they think they believe, they still don't inherit the kingdom of God. And why? Because we see that they are not bearing the fruits of repentance. They haven't really repented. They don't really believe in God. They believe in an image of God, but they don't really believe in God. But they are completely fooled. And the world allows them to do all kinds of things that God used to say that was a sin, and Christ said was a sin, and Paul says was a sin. And they are, the world is these fornicators and uh, adulterers and even uh, coveters. Because, I mean, the whole world is moving in this. You know, a hundred years ago in America, we did not have people doing what we see being done today in the modern socialist states. We've moved, supposedly World War II, we were fighting the Nazis who were social democrats. And we've all become social democrats. And our morality is dictated by the mob. And we're in a lot of trouble. But the fact is, is what I was saying at the beginning of the uh, the show, and the beginning of the previous show, is that we are changed by these practices, what, Paul, what Peter calls covetous practices. What Paul says can't enter into the kingdom of heaven, these covetous people. And that covetous one is one that I focus on a lot, but the reality is there's there's lots of thieves. I mean, like somebody's in a business, and they have something, you know, materials that belong to somebody that they're supposed to install or distribute or whatever, and they have some left over. And it belongs to the other guy, and they didn't need any more. Are they going to give that guy credit, or are they going to give that guy the stuff back? No. If they don't, they're stealing. You see, they're thieves. They think they're Christians, but they're actually thieves. And I recently saw where somebody, 
was in partnership with such a business and they backed away from that business. They 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 sold out or their share of the partnership for less than its value just to be away from those individuals. That's a good sign. There will be blessings coming to them because they made that choice. At the same time, there are things in their lives which are still part of that covetous nature. So that they're not the thieves, but they're still a certain amount of them, just a small little bit. But there's a little covetousness in there. Uh, they're not drunkards. They're not really extortioners. But it doesn't say if you are thieves and covetous and drunkards and revilers that you shall not inherit the kingdom. It says one, just one of those things. Adulterers, effeminates, abusers of themselves with mankind. He's showing you that if you take a step in one of these areas and accept being that, it will taint everything. And the fact is, we're all sinners. We're all, you know, by the time the prodigal son got home, did he get the smell of pig off of him? He may still have smelled a little bit like pig when he got home, but he did turn around and start back. And his father met him and was killing the fatty calf, and they were probably had water prepared and washed his feet and his hands and everything and tried to scrub that smell of the pig off of him because he did it by his service to his son who came back to serve his father. And that is the nature of Christ, to wash your feet when they should be washing his. So now you see the spirit of your congregations and free assemblies, that you come to give, to help, to serve one another. You know, that people want to get in a congregation for the benefit of being in a congregation. No the benefit of the being in the congregation is now you have a chance to be like Christ, to feed his sheep, to care for his needy. If you do that, God will run out before you and chase your enemies away. If you don't do that, you're on your own. You know, one of my prayers is I'm right behind you, Lord. <laughs> I'm right behind you. You first. I'm not running out ahead of you. When you're ready, we'll move down this road. But I I got my eyes on you. Not upon where I want to go. Where you want to lead, so I shall follow. This is the spirit that we need to have. Second Corinthians 9.5 Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would be that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, wherefore ye had notice before, that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. So what does that mean? He goes on to say, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. He's telling you about a system of social welfare based on love, bounty, benefits. If you sow with a stingy heart, God will give to you with a stingy heart. It's built into the system. 
It cannot be changed. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. Oh, guys, guy needs help again. (laughs) But now we have to be of real help. He may need some rebuking. What happened to the money I gave you last week? You know, this is why you need ministers who really love, because they will rebuke. They'll say, well, what is the deal here? You're always running short. Let's do something so you don't run short. Let's change our conversation, our uh, the way we do things. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. If you are doing this, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. But we need the austerity of Christ. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad. He hath given to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever. So it must be with us also. Are you doing that? Or are you grudging? Are you, are, do you come together to give life to others? Because that will draw you near Christ. And His guiding light will shine before your feet. And you will know His way. If you don't, your minds will be darkened. And you will be given over to a reprobate mind. And we will see the works not worthy of repentance. And you will be out there coveting your neighbor's goods through social welfare systems that are bankrupt. Putting a burden of debt on your children and your children's children. We will find you dancing with foolish virgins. Not trimming your wick, but thinking you are free in Christ when you are still bondage to the character of selfishness. Ephesians, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also loved us, gave us his life, who washed feet, who gave up his wealth. You know, I'm preaching a prosperity gospel of giving up of your life for others in righteousness for the real welfare, not so some preacher can have a $10,000 ring in a, a $10 million house, even if he earned it by selling books? Why does he have so much while others are struggling? Why, why would you think the character of Christ is in him? If you were walking with Christ and you lost your coat, he would offer you his, not his extra one, but his cloak to cover you. Would you take it? He would insist. These are the characters. This is what made America great. This spirit used to be alive and thriving throughout this country. It's still here, but it's become dormant. Why? Because of the favors of the state. It's taken us, our minds off of pure religion. Which is how we fulfill our duty to God and our fellow man. Ephesians 5.5 5, For this ye know that no whoremongers, no unclean person, no covetous man 
who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. No matter if he tells you he is a believer or not. No matter if he thinks he is a believer or not. Now, should he give up all those things? So that he may manifest the character of God? Yes. But only if he does it for real will it count for real, and God will be judge of that. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving thanks. What does he mean, not jesting? Nor jesting. I actually looked that word up, jesting. It doesn't mean joking around, because you always hear me joking around. And, you know, I I do have a light side (laughs) that that will uh, tell you of the ways of Christ. But if you you look that up, that's in Ephesians 5.4. Nor foolish talking, nor jesting. If you you look that word jesting up in uh, the Greek, it only appears once in the whole Bible. And it's actually from a base word that means turning, which appears only once in the whole Bible. And it usually has to do with heavenly bodies turning, the orbits spinning, trope. But it's a compound word, and it comes from two words. And the other part of that word, you, has to do with well-off, prosper, acting well. So, instead of acting well, it's acting badly, because it's turning. It's the other side. It's the upside-down part. So, it's it means jesting in a bad sense. That's what the word actually means. So, you know, it's low humor. And, uh, and people with that low humor is not really who you should be working with. Uh, because they have no inheritance in the kingdom. Of God. They are not a part of that kingdom. And they will not be let in, no matter what they think they believe. Colossians 3 5 Mortify therefore your members, which are upon the earth, fornicators, uncleanness, uh, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now that's interesting covetousness, which is idolatry. Covetousness and idolatry. Why? Because they go to... Where did you go to get your benefits in Rome? To the temples. And it's amazing. Almost all the government buildings in the United States, you know, the major government buildings are built after Roman architecture. The system is almost identical. But in America, we used to get our benefits at church didn't have a job or got sick or got injured. You went to church for help that you could not provide for yourself if your family couldn't take care of you first. You know, somebody said the other day, family is everything. Well, you know, the mafia says that. No, the spirit is everything. And the way the spirit works is through the family. And when the family faileth, through the family, the brethren of God, the brethren of Christ, which are the ministers of Christ... Those who are creating a system based on faith, hope, and charity, and the perfect law of liberty, returning every man to his home, to his possessions, to his family, to be the king and queen and priests in his own family. The church is only to be the firstborn of the nation of God, 
to bring families together without diluting those families, without making them less than what God intended. The world system incorporates where it takes away from the family rights, potestas, imperium rights, invested in government. Now the government tells the family how to live. And how did they do this? Through the favor of the state. Through the gifts, gratuities, and benefits. Why? Because the church was not providing the gifts and gratuities and benefits of Christ. Through faith, open charity, they chose to go with reprobate minds to take away from their neighbor in idolatry through covetousness. They worship the creation of their own hands. They serve it. They bow down to it to obtain the benefaction of men who exercise authority one over the other. Because their minds have drifted away from pure religion, which is where we did this a hundred years ago in this country, through the church alone and through charity alone. We don't. Welfare from the government is never charity. It is force. And until John the Baptist, people were trying to establish that system throughout the world, and now they've done it again. They need a new John the Baptist to come and say, Repent. Turn around. And seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God and his righteousness that operating by the perfect law of liberty and faith open church. That was the message of Paul. And those who did it were called believers. Those who refused to do it were called a lot of things. <laughs> I'll tell you what they were called. They were called covetous, adulterers, idolaters, concupiscence, evil concupiscence, uncleanness, inordinate affections, etc. And that's why you see what you see going on in society today. Because you are being changed. Spiritually changed. How do you change back? Well, you need an enema. That's right. You need an enema. You need a spiritual enema. You need a cleansing out of your souls. You need to start giving. And I'm not saying send me. You can if you want. But I'm saying you've got to start giving. And you have to start giving in a way you can keep track of what you're giving to know that it's strengthening the poor. That means congregating together. Joining the Living Network and forming congregations of record. Even if you're at a distance. This day and age, right now, you can call each other daily. You can speak with one another. You can travel around and meet with one another. And what is our main goal is to find the other sheep. If you're out on the desert with sheep, and you look out there and you say, where are the sheep? And you look around and you see one on the top of a hill. And you see another one over on a hill a little ways away. Well, you want to know where the sheep are? They're down in the valley between those two hills. That's where they are. If they're rain sheep, if they're, if they're farm flock sheep, they'll be all over the place. We have one white-faced sheep that is, she took her two lambs and she always led them away. She's a fence walker. She finds ways through fences and she takes them to green pastures. There's green grass outside of that, but she wants what she is not supposed to be getting. She wants to get it from somewhere else. She wants to... She's coveting that grass on the other side. Well, her lambs have been sold. We didn't keep any of her lambs. But now she's got two other ewes, two other sheep she takes off. 
Several times she didn't come in with the rest of the sheep. She was left out in the field in the dark. There are coyotes and bobcats out there everywhere. One of these days she's going to be eaten up. She's getting away with it right now. But she's not going to get away with it forever. Now, you need to come together now. Because there's mountain lions and bobcats. And there's no way I can instill in this sheep that she needs to stay together. She, We've sacked the dogs on her. Now, the dogs don't bite her or anything, but they scare her and keep her in with the herd. But she's, she's the first one to start straying from the herd. There's some genetic defect that has come down. She's probably related to a black-faced sheep. You don't see it in her. She looks all white-faced on the outside. But deep down, somewhere in her genes, she is not gregarious enough to stay together. She has been altered by this other sheep that we used at one time. And we accidentally kept one that was partially that, that farm flock sheep that did not have the spirit of gregariousness. And she will be consumed. As a matter of fact, after lambing, she's going to get ear-notched and marked, and we're not going to keep her. Because she's passing on her traits to others that should know better and would know better, except that she is leading them away. We used to have a sheep called Cora, and she had a black face. So you could tell her, this one has a white face. It's a Cora in sheep's clothing. And it's leading them away. That's happening in the real world out here. There are ministers leading you away from the ways of Christ, saying to you that you are saved because you're a believer. But you're not a believer because you're not doing what Paul said. And Paul was talking to believers who were doing what he said. And he was reminding them not to be like those who do not believe, even though they say they believe. We know they don't believe because they do not bear the fruits of repentance. They're gathering together to study and study and study and study, but not coming to a knowledge of the truth. Denying the power thereof, and the power thereof is that you can take care of one another through faith, open charity, and do a better job of it. And we have lots of ways to do that. Lots of ways I won't speak about to you on the radio. I speak about it amongst the believers. Because... I see in them the fruits of repentance. And and I've seen two emails in the last couple of days in communication among some of those ministers who are realizing that they came to HHC, His Holy Church, trying to put it in a box that was already built in their head. And they realized that that box was not built by Christ. Christ's kingdom is in all the world in all the ways. It's a way. It's not a box. A box hems you in. It is a narrow path. But it is a way to righteousness. And, and men are beginning to see this and change. And every time they begin to see this, they equate it with acts of humility and submission. If you want to know the kingdom of God, it's not about your knowledge and flesh and blood study. It's about your submission to the will of the Father. And the recognition that you can't do it on your own. So you're right. You're not saved by works. But when you really submit, you'll know you're not saved by study either. You're saved by submission to the will of the Father. Going back to His way, 
with the intention of serving in his house. That is the story of the prodigal son, and we're all prodigal sons. We're all returning. And we need to start to bear the fruits of that spirit. Is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, according to Paul. Being therefore not partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. He's talking to those who are believers who are taking care of one another through the social welfare of Christ. Who were sharing their coats and their meat in free will offerings. And no longer coveting their neighbor's goods through the fornication of the idolatrous temples of Rome or Jerusalem. Yes, Christianity changed the world. It turned those who would change upside down and right side up. Upside down from the way they were, which was wrong, right side up to the way that they should be. This is the gospel. And until next week, seek that gospel. Seek that kingdom and its righteousness and start turning around yourselves. Till then, may God be with you and peace be upon your heart. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.